Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. Blessed be the great mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this is live onto YouTube and I think Twitter and Facebook. Uh, just let me know if anyone can hear me in the chats right here. It says there's uh, um, 20 people, 25 watching live. Today, I'm going to talk about a difficult topic, and it's going to be how many will be saved. And if you look at the, uh, the subheading right there, I said that there's going to be some old news that's bad that you've heard from me, but there's going to be some good news that you haven't heard from me. Now, anyone who's following my scripture series knows this book right here is Father Lappy Day. And Father Lapidae is a Jesuit of the 17th century, and he wrote a um, basically the greatest commentary on Scripture because he conglomerated all the church fathers. If St. Thomas Aquinas conglomerated the church fathers according to a doctrinal topic, Father Lapidae conglomerated them according to chapter and verse in the gospel. Well, I happened to be reading this this Sunday afternoon, and it was on Matthew 7.14, how narrow is the gate, and straight is the way that leadeth to life, and there are few that find it. Now, all through here, we hear the, uh, you know, some of the common analogies that we've heard from uh, any scripture scholar, Sodom and Gomorrah. But Father Lapidae opened up a few things I had never thought of before. He talks about the promised land. I guess I've thought of that, but listen to how he describes it. He says, this was a type, meaning an analogy of heaven. Quote, into this of the 600,000 Hebrews, only two entered, Caleb and Joshua, Numbers 14.30. The fourth type is Isaiah 17.5, where the prophet compares the citizens of Damascus who will be saved from the onslaught of the Chaldeans to a few ears of corn remaining after the harvest or to two or three olive berries left after the tree is shaken. These are types of how few will be saved. Then he describes the size of hell, which I've never heard before. He says, the great number of the damned is evident from the enormous size of hell, which measures 16 furlongs, Apocalypse 14.20. That is 200 Italian miles in any direction. Hell is 200 Italian miles deep and just as long and just as wide. Such a place will hold thousands upon thousands of damned souls who will be confined in hell like fish in a bowl. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there laughing, saying, oh, there's a, there's a size to hell now. That just shows you how mindless the medieval people were. Um, but you have to remember, we get our bodies back in both heaven and hell. So we can't dismiss any physical size uh, to this whole thing. But more importantly, let me read you what a church father says. This is from St. John Chrysostom. I know some of you have read this on my blog before. That's why this is going to be a launching point to some better news. But you got to be reminded of the bad news first. Quote, this, moreover, is true if you consider the mass of mankind. For by, the, by far, the greater portion of men are infidels, Turks, Saracens, or heretics. But of the faithful, St. John Chrysostom, in Sermon 40 to the people, thinks that scarcely one out of a thousand will be saved. For he says, how many are there, do you think, in our city Antioch who are saved? What I'm about to say is troublesome, but let me say it nevertheless. Among so many thousands, and in Antioch there were 100,000 or more, Father Lapide adds, there cannot be found 100 who are being saved, and there is doubt even among them. So among the faithful, St. John Chrysostom believes that one out of a thousand will be saved. 
Now, you've heard that from me, at least from my blogging and that bad news, but this was something new I had found, this next line, and this is kind of good news. I'm going to try to swing it to good news in the end, but it'll at least open up a new horizon for how to make your examination of conscience. So listen to this. Yet others with greater mildness think it probable that the greater portion of professing Christians will be saved because most of them, before they die, before they die, receive the holy sacraments, which justify sinners, not only those who have contrition, but who have attrition. This seems to be true of those who have not lived in constant and habitual sins, such as fornication, usury, hatred, and quarrels. So let me parse out a little bit of that. I'm going to make sure people can still hear me uh, talking right here. Okay, good. We still have people listening live. So I'm going to parse out a little bit of that right here. He says that some of the other authorities think more will be saved than some of those really scary church fathers. But listen to why. Because they're going to die receiving the holy sacraments. Now, the amazing thing is extreme unction, anointing, forgives not just your venial sins, but your mortal sins too, if you've been regularly using confession. How beautiful is that? So let's say you are driving to confession in mortal sin one day. You get smacked on the highway by a Mack truck. You're taken to the hospital. You're in a coma. Somehow a priest can sneak in past the COVID regulations, give you extreme unction, give you anointing. That forgives not only your venial sins, but also your mortal sins, provided you've been using the sacraments at some regular use. But right here, he's talking more about those deathbed confessions. And so he says that he thinks most Christians are saved uh, if they receive the holy sacraments, which justify sinners, not just with contrition, but those with attrition. So by that, he means contrition is perfect contrition, sorrow for your sins because you love Jesus and you're sad you put him on the cross, but also attrition which means imperfect contrition. So what he's saying right there is most people who can make a deathbed confession, even with imperfect contrition, just out of fear of hell, not even a ton of love of God, can make it to heaven. Except he excludes one group there, and this is who I want to look at. Those who've lived in habitual sins. Now, that's why I'm making this video today, is because I realized reading this, we don't, have a, we don't have to have excessive fear of hell if we're not living in habitual sin. But there's some real traps the devil has laid for us in habitual sin that I want to talk about. So let me give a real um, stark analogy that's going to make some people mad, but I don't care because I'm out to save souls. If you have a guy who uses pornography versus a woman who dresses immodestly, who's in like, I don't know, decent Catholic people, the guy who uses pornography is going to go to immediate confession to get out of that. The woman, even say a mom who won't ever use contraception in her marriage, but dresses immodestly, that's going to be a mortal since she's habitually missing. There are many, so, I mean, I can tell you this, I know so many Catholic women out there who would never use contraception, but they dress in yoga pants and short shorts, or they let their daughters wear yoga pants. Now, let's look at those two, porn and immodesty. Of course, we're a lot more freaked out by the guy using porn and doing you know what with that. But in some sense, the second is worse because at least the guy knows when he's in mortal sin, where the woman compares herself to all these people around her, and she thinks her immodesty isn't as bad as what she sees around her in the year 2020. Well, listen to what the mother of God said to Saint Jacinta, Sister Jacinta Fatima, quote, more souls go to hell because of sins of the flesh than for any other reason, she told Jacinta. She also warned, quote, 
certain fashions will be introduced that will offend our Lord very much, end quote. And she also issued a direct warning to women saying, quote, woe to women lacking in modesty, end quote. So this whole video here, we're going to kind of move away from the sexual sin because that freaks everyone out. And there's going to be all these women mad at me and that's OK. But we're going to we're going to telescope out to some other sins right now. The main thing I want you to hear that I'm calling you to is humility, because it's arrogance that keeps us from traditional examinations of conscience which keeps us in habitual sin. And that's the real danger I realize reading this to the Catholics out there. Because making that deathbed confession, it's almost impossible to repent of habitual sin because you didn't realize you were living in it. So in some sense, a single mortal sin versus living in habitual mortal sin, which one's worse? The second is so much worse, of course. But obviously a mortal sin is really horrible. You can only be forgiven that by baptism or if you've been baptized confession, but habitual sin blinds you. So let's talk about that. I, and actually, I'm going to talk one more on one more thing on, on immodesty here. When I first started going, as I was a very liberal Catholic in high school, and I worked at a soup kitchen, and I remember when I was 16, 17, I'd go to this downtown soup kitchen, and I got to know the homeless. And I thought I was so hip and compassionate finding like homeless people who were high, tell me their poems or something. And then I realized they were usually pretty boring. Um, God loves schizophrenics, but they end up being very, very boring. So the homeless, even though you might feel like super deep listening to them and you still should listen to them because they're sons and daughters of God, you know, you kind of get bored after a couple minutes. Well, 20 years after that, which was five years ago, five years into my priesthood, I happened to be at the Cathedral of St. Augustine, Florida. And I met a homeless guy outside who was a rapping prophet. And I don't say he was a rapping prophet just because he was homeless guy and I like to, you know, be fascinated and and sound like I'm so profound in talking to homeless people. No, this guy, he was a white guy rapping his theology and he was absolutely hitting every theological topic out of the park, like better than any any theologian I've heard with a PhD. This guy was a living Jeremiah or Ezekiel and everything he was saying was absolutely spot on, really better than probably any priest or bishop I've ever heard preach. And this guy was just talking about reform of the hierarchy and what people had to do to enter heaven and loving Jesus and Mary. He even knew like the situation in the Vatican. And I remember I asked him uh, when I pulled him aside, I said, well, if Fatima, if the apparition of Fatima is true, and I knew it was true, so I probably should have said since it's true, but I might've said, if the apparition of Our Lady of Fatima is true, if Mary saw what was coming in the 21st century, why didn't she talk about the bigger things like contraception abortion? Why did she mention immodesty instead of the huge things that we would see like partial birth abortions? This was this guy's answer. This is so fascinating. He said in a rap that I can't exactly repeat because I can't remember it. He said, immodesty leads to porn. Porn leads to contraception. Contraception leads to abortion. And it blew my mind because this guy showed me that abortions rooted in contraception, contraceptions rooted in pornography, pornography is rooted in immodesty, which is the one thing Mary warned women about. I mean, how many pro-life celebrities who dress immodestly need to hear from that homeless rapping prophet that they're literally promoting abortion by dressing immodestly? And if you're going to take that out of context to scare me or use against me, go for it. I'll even say it again. Those pro-life celebrities are promoting abortion by dressing immodestly.
But now we're going to move away from sexual sin, like I promised. Um, Father Lapidy mentioned some other of those uh, habitual sins that I want to talk about. He talked about those living in usury, hatred, and quarrels. Now, usury is lending money at reasonably high rates of interest. So, for example, if you've yelled at your spouse for years, well, let's talk about usury real quick. Usury, again, is lending money at unreasonably high rates of interest. We don't even include these in most of our examinations of conscience, but that could be an example of living in, in habitual sin. Um, he also talked about hatred and quarrels. So, for example, if you've yelled at your spouse for years, you may not even repent of it in your deathbed confession. Yes, that's living in habitual sin, according to Father Lapide. But Our Lady of Fatima also warned in that section on hell to Sister Jacinta, quote, let men avoid greed, lies, envy, blasphemy, impurity. Let me read that again. Let men avoid greed, lies, envy, blasphemy, impurity. So like, what if you say our Lord's name in vain a few times a week? The holy name of Jesus, I mean. What if you say that in vain a few times a week? That's living in blasphemy. Will you confess that in your deathbed confession? No, you're going to be thinking of the big stuff like adultery, but you'll miss the blasphemy that you lived in. Okay, so I promised some good news. The good news is that amidst all the Catholic misinformation today, you have the chance in listening to this video to get a traditional examination of conscience and make an examination of conscience based in humility, regardless of what a thousand priests have told you. Go with what Mary says. Don't go with, I, well, with what I say. Go with what Mary and the church fathers and the saints say. Let's look at those words of Our Lady of Fatima again. Let men avoid greed, lies, envy, blasphemy, impurity. And we'll close up with this. What if lying is part, maybe not daily course of things, but maybe weekly course of things. What if you just happen to lie weekly to get out of a pickle? Mary just warned you that a life of lying will lead to hell. And will the liar think of that in his deathbed confession? Of course not. He's going to be thinking of the big stuff, like if he stole millions of dollars. But lying is a big sin, and perhaps it's even worse than the huge sins because it's habitual. So the good news, again, is that Father Lapidate says here, a lot of people who make those deathbed conversions, they're going to make it to heaven unless they're living in habitual sin because they're going to miss it. They're not even going to know how to repent of it. So the good news is you're watching this, so you have the chance to scan your life and find those habitual sins you may have actually missed before. And I'm not saying that habitual sins are worse than mortal sins, but I think it was Fulton Sheen that once said, the only thing worse than sin is the denial of sin. How profound is that for the theological crisis we're in? The only thing worse than sin is the denial of sin. And that's the central part of modernist moral theology that the devil's tricked us all with, that everybody has a good reason or a good excuse to live in sin. Either you have a daddy wound, or you had bad catechesis, or you have reduced culpability, or you had undue pressure to do this and this and this. You know, we all have an excuse to live in sin. But Our Lady Fatima is very clear that's not going to cut it. You can't compare yourself to everybody else around you. So what is the key virtue here? It's not actually purity and modesty, if you listen closely to what I'm promoting. It's humility to get a traditional examination of conscience and repent of what you find on it. One blog post I wrote is called 15 Mortal Sins Catholics Are Missing in Their Confessions. I'll link that. 15 Mortal Sins Catholics Are Missing in Their Confessions. And again, I base that on the fathers and the popes, not myself. But we'll close with these two good pieces, good pieces of good news. One, you can catch habitual sin because you're listening to this video. And two, 
Humility, yourself being humble before the traditional magisterium of the church is humility before Christ. And in that you have access to the heart of Christ by getting a traditional examination of conscience. I'm not promoting sexual purity in this, in this video as much as humility. Have the humility to confess your mortal sins, including the habitual mortal sins that you're missing, because you might miss those on your deathbed. That deathbed that Father Lapide gives us so much hope. Again, you don't want to gamble and play Russian roulette and wait till that deathbed. But I think I was given hope reading this, um, maybe a little bit more hope than reading those terrifying church fathers. But it was a real splash of water in the face that habitual sins is what's going to really um, get us. So on lockdown, I realize it's hard to get to confession, but get a priest on text. Find a priest who will answer your text and you can go there or he'll go there. I'll answer anyone's text in Colorado day or night. I, I, I won't always leave state, but I, I actually did leave state a couple months ago. But go to confession, not just as fire insurance or hopscotching in and out of grace. We don't know how long the churches are going to be open. So mean your confessions with your whole heart with real repentance, because you'll also miss them on your deathbed, your deathbed confessions or getting extreme unction, which, like I said, does cover mortal sins. If say you're in a coma and you've been habitually using confession. Um, so there's one more piece of good right there, how powerful extreme unction is. But the point is today, don't play games with God. Um, he's not going to give you a pass on your excuses for habitual sins just because you've had a hard life. Get right with God. Give your life entirely to Jesus Christ. Trust him as your savior. Get baptized and go to confession. Pray the rosary and read the gospels and St. Paul.